The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of The Process. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, we're just, we're back at our roots. We are cheering for first round picks, moral victories, and uh, good games from second round picks. It's really, this is what we were born for. Here we are. Um, I will also try and convince Mike to start the Field of 64 Jigsaws, or at least commit to doing the Field of 64 Jigsaws, thinking about the next five weeks of Sixers basketball. Might want to do the Jigsaws instead. Um, We will update you on the OKC pick and a mailbag question that will put Mike on the spot comparing the 2012 Sixers to this year's Sixers. And Sixers Adam will join us for a very important announcement. We teased it on Twitter, a huge announcement from one Sixers Adam. Before we get going, flip the switch. April 11th at Underground Arts. Not only will the Sixers game be on, and we'll do commentary for. Mike, there's also a Thunder game that night, which might be a bigger deal. So I say nobody leaves that room until we know that the Thunder have won that game. That's fair. Nobody. More nobody for leaves the Thunder that room. for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've we've uh, also collected as many Sixers beat writers for the for the VIP hour as possible and to join us on stage. Derek will be there. Mike O'Connor will be there. Uh, Kyle Newbeck answered my email after two and a half weeks. He'll be there as well. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Sweaty. Very, very sweaty. Join us. Go to writesrickysanchez.com for tickets. Without any further ado... Welcome to the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who kept the receipts, has the receipts for everyone on Shake Milton. That is Mike Levin. Moral victories, baby. Moral victories. Here we are. The a good a good tweet from a band person from this podcast. According to Ben Golliver, uh, the. Sixers players who have scored at least 39 points in a game since the year 2000. Allen Iverson and Joel Embiid. And now, Shake Milton. That's it. Ridiculous. Uh, he's, he's excellent. I mean, obviously he's not going to hit 13 straight threes very often. Only sometimes. <laughs> um, but you can tell well, he- like that the shot is way quicker than it was last year. Um, he can release it not in a, in a tight space. He can release it off the dribble. He can like sort of weave around screens to get it, get it off. Um, and once they play that, then all of a sudden his lack of, you know, supreme quickness is mitigated because they're playing the shot. And he's got a shiftiness to him, keeps him off balance. There is, um, look, do I lean into it? I, I, I'll, I'll brush against it. I'm not saying James Harden, but I'm saying there's a <laughs> similar, there's a shiftiness there that is under the umbrella of Harden. And a little down on the tree, you see Shake, and he's going to keep working his way up that tree. And uh, he got to the line a bunch. There were fouls. Uh, we'll talk about the fouls. But there were times he got to the line. There were times he got fouled and it wasn't called. Um, I love that uh, lefty dunk in transition over Pat Bev. He's, I mean, he's got a seven-foot wingspan. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can score at three levels. Um, and he gets his hands in some passing lanes, and he's got to you know, add strength. But, like, he's legit, and he, I'm so glad he's here. He signed a four-year deal for basically nothing this past offseason, so he's going to be around for a while. Um, 
Love Shake. Absolutely love Shake. Thrilled about it. This was a win in my book. They covered and Shake had a great game. That's a, I mean, come on. Yeah, I had a, I had a feeling about this game. I actually, I looked on DraftKings earlier and I was like, plus 750 money line. Hmm. And I bet it. And I had a chance. When they were, I think they were tied in the third quarter. I could have cashed out uh, at triple my money and I decided, fuck it, I'm riding. And I, I lost. There so, you go. Yeah. They, they were, I mean, they were shooting incredibly in the first half and that went down a little but honestly not that much they still shot 21 of 43 from deep um they didn't turn the ball over much they got got to a bunch of offensive rebounds they just couldn't defend i mean the you could tell that this game i was saying it in the first quarter like the sixers are playing excellent basketball they're hitting seemingly everything at one point josh and shake were combined nine for nine from the field and they were only up like seven or eight and it was like this doesn't feel like a runaway. Yeah. Um, and the Clippers got more calls and they got to the line. They got chipped back into it. And, you know, Horford in foul trouble. <sighs> it, I, there were a lot Dude, of good he things. He sucked. Dude, I. I, I he I, did. Um, I, I, so I, th- I think he played okay. Like there were a couple of times, I think there were, there were fouls that they gave on, that they gave him on Trez that were just bullshit. Um, I, every time Trez just drives into somebody, they're calling a foul before they're even like seeing what the contact is. Um, I, I've stood up for him a lot, and I, I still think he's got I, – I, I still would bet he's basically the same player, I, though I do think he's he's kind of mailed this season in a lot. But just he looks so helpless versus Harrell, like so helpless. Like how can you be that helpless versus Harrell? I don't I think just, he – I mean he blocked him a couple times. I think there were some bullshit calls, and Trez is good. He's he's good and big and relentless. Um and I thought that Horford was pretty good on on the glass. He's not an excellent rebounder and kind of never has been. But um, I thought I thought this was a good Horford game. He missed a ton of easy shots inside. I don't trust him on much of those little like hook shot banks from like and from the low block. He's just like the amount of easy bunny layup types things he's missed over the season is is insane. But uh, I. I was encouraged by some things. I think he stopped playing defense, uh, at least physically, once he got five fouls and then kind of let a couple things up, and there you go. Mm, I don't know. I'm not, I, like, defend- I, I, look, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm no, no, not excited no, I, about I the, the I guy Al Horford has been, but I, I saw some good stuff. Yeah, I thought he passed well. I thought he moved the ball quickly. Um, there were some good things. He was dribbling. Like, he was penetrating a little bit, driving and kicking and stuff, and... Yeah, I, I let's just talk about the refs for a second because that's that's what I'm. We, the game just ended, so that's what I'm most frustrated with. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, you, here's from here, Mike. Let me introduce you. It's from here, Mike. It was bullshit. Here, the Sixers got one call the entire game, and it was when it, when the when Shake tipped the ball out of bounds, and they didn't see it, and they got the call. <laughs> Everything else was the Clippers' way. Every single other thing was the Clippers' way. I don't think there's some grand conspiracy. I think the, it's just giving the home team calls and and giving the superstars calls. Paul George pushed off on like three possessions, didn't call it. Uh, the he and he flopped on a Horford screen. Corkmoss gets pushed over on a rebound, doesn't call it. Brett flips out. Uh, Shake got pushed over a bunch of times. He he stripped Lou Williams clean, and they gave Lou a three shot foul on it. There were weak loose balls called. It was a it was a bad officiated game, and it was very bad one direction. And they Can didn't need it. About- like they're the Clippers, they're at home, and we have no one. All all of our guys are hurt, and they're still giving them calls. It was very frustrating to watch. Very frustrating. Can we talk about why Clowney wasn't? There was no. Uh, call on him on the Wentz hit in the playoff game. I'm good. I that that I didn't think it was much of an issue. <laughs> okay, it was. They shot they shot 41 foul shots. Sixers shot 20. There were 28 well, to 17. But the Sixers have a bunch of fucking guys. That absolutely, line. absolutely. Yeah. But they the yeah. shake gets knocked over on a drive. No call. Like there were a ton of those things. There were little ticky tack stuff that they were calling one way and they weren't calling it the other way. It was bad. It was it was so, a, it was a poorly officiated game. Uh. And you should What's fucking account for that. If you're the look at the, look at the teams that are happening right now, the Sixers were running out a lineup of like Alec Burks and Kyle O'Quinn, and, and well, like crunch time. Gonna get, but they're not going to get. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. They suck. I think officials should weigh it like if it's a fifty-fifty call, you should weigh it like all right, who's who fucking needs it, <laughs> and we so needed this, it. This is like when you're playing NFL Blitz, and the team that behind is behind always makes some wild catch. NFL too. Blitz is how. NBA officiating crews should all. I've always said that. 
Um, what is the surprise injury that Jace, that Josh Richardson is going to have? Concussion. Uh, yeah, it's they, definitely going to be a concussion. They right? said no. They said it already. Oh, did they? Yeah, they said he's being evaluated. He has a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. Oh, yeah. I was right. I called it. There yeah, I mean, he did just they, he, there's that. I've been there when you're sort of like. You see the thing about yeah. to happen, and you're trying to, like, well, he's not going to back right up into me. And then he does, and you're like, well, I should have gotten out of the way quicker. And, and he just went down pretty pretty good. I thought he was he was playing well. It, it is really tough. Look, the Sixers couldn't defend anything. They gave up 136 points. The Clippers uh, were, for most of the game, shooting over 60% from the field. Um, and it wasn't really on, like, wide-open dunks. Like, I, don't, I can't, like, it's not like Montrez had, like, a ton of, Easy lob dunk type things that, that we've seen him and other type similar type guys score against Sixers before. It was just like they were hitting a lot of like open jumpers and walking into shots. And I thought they tried to tighten up at the end and, and they did a decent job in the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, it was just they didn't have the personnel to defend this team. And there were some really dumb plays like Korkmaz and Glenn Robinson both following Lou Williams like on a very simple slip pick and roll. Andrew Shamit standing at the top of the key, wide the fuck open, and it's just Glenn Robinson right now is very bad. Dude, he sucks. He's very, very bad. He and sucks. for him to be and complaining about his role and uh, and not having hit a three since he got here is not what you want. Um, I think no. Burks is can be good and have nice moments. He needs to pass the ball more. Um, I want him to get to the line more and not just be taking like off the dribble like sort of abrupt weird like mid-range jumpers um, I think he can be good and useful and I think he has been a little bit like he, he had uh, 15 15, 6, and 3 on, on 13 shots I thought that was fine um, but and yeah Glenn Robinson has been has been quite bad I, just because you brought him up, we should. So he, if if you didn't hear, he had sort of complained about not knowing what his role is, and then followed it up with uh, something about you know getting playing time in a contract year and has to feed his family. Um, we we're talking about, by the way, the same guy who said that he would have re-signed for less money in the most expensive city in America, San Francisco, before he got traded. I mean. Dude, uh, you know what? I just think, I think like a, a brief interlude here, it just definitely speaks to when fucking nobody's coming. No offense to him, honestly. I actually mean that. But when a guy like him, uh, a, a minimum guy who got traded for a bad second round pick, comes in to a team that is supposed to be a contender uh, at the trade deadline and within 10 days starts complaining about his role, like it does speak to the fact that there's a leadership void within the team because you you that shit should not fly like there like you just you can't feel comfortable saying stuff like that and by the way we're talking about a guy who generally is considered a, a pretty good teammate you know who I, I think they really liked in golden state is like yeah you, come on that, that yeah i mean shit. it seems there players always do this thing in kind of every sport where they go complain to the media and then the media reacts to it and then players like, oh, you guys make it always make it a, a big deal. And it's like, well, you said, you said that you didn't know your role, yeah. And that's yeah. like a kind of explosive thing to say to the media. And I get that. Then Brett like handled it internally, and he's like, it, it was more of a bigger bigger deal than that. But like, just don't say shit like that on the record. <laughs> like, yeah. be fine. You you're a minimum salary guy playing on a terrible team. Hey, you got a shot to like contend in the playoffs. Just like play hard and do what it takes for half a season and maybe hit a three, even one. Just one, one three. The, the only other thing I have to say about this game in, in particular is the Clippers are a team that I thought was going to be really, really good, and they do have the ability to be. I think I probably watched them four or five times this year. They do. They were playing at half speed tonight, which they have done. I disagree with that a lot this year. I disagree. Oh, with I, that. I don't. They're shooting. They, they, they shot sixty percent from the field. They. You saw like Lou, Lou and Paul George like yelling at each other on defense about who's who's covering Shake. Uh, Kawhi ripped the ball from Tobias on on things like they're crashing the glass. Like, were were, were they playing like with a hundred percent playoff intensity the whole time? No, but I don't think this was a sleepwalk through the game. I don't think it was at mm. all. 
it felt like they just sort of decided to win when they did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when they when they're when they want to turn on the fourth quarter intensity, for sure. I think everybody can do that. I think the Sixers do that plenty. But this wasn't a case of like they were just the Sixers were just getting easy looks all the time. Like Shake was hitting tough shots. They're hitting like Tobias was getting into his mid range. Um, Mike Scott finally hit a couple shots, which was really nice to see, and like worked on the glass. And they went to small ball and stuff. I think it, this was like. Brett was coaching for the win here and like was was doing whatever it took and the Sixers were playing hard and and I don't think the Clippers were sort of giving them anything. Uh yeah, I guess. Um they're a weird team, the Clippers. I I still would pick them out of the West, but they're they're sort of a weird team. They they should be better than they are. I guess they've only had you know, th- there are a lot of teams that can say this, but they've only had their entire lineup eight times this year, and they've won all eight times or nine times, and they've won all nine times. So we'll see. There's no guarantee. You know, when you hear stats like that, there's no guarantee that you're going to have your whole lineup healthy in the playoffs. Sure. Either. So, you know. The Sixers now have, uh, when Horford fouled out, their, <laughs> the starting lineup that they started the season with, it was just Tobias. Yeah. That's it. It was Tobias and the bench. And I thought, you know, I thought the... You look at the stats of the Clippers, like, their, their starters were, like, Pat Bev was a minus 11, Paul George was a minus 11, Kawhi was only a plus one. It was the bench that carried them, and the Sixers bench, you know, now that they're in, like, the dregs, like, the deep bench because of how many guys had to go get hurt. Um, it, it may, I think, I think with, with one guy more healthy or some calls going the way I think I really think that the Sixers could have pulled this game out and I think that they they played hard and like kind of proved something to themselves this was a genuine not just an OKC pick moral victory that I'm happy about a straight up like great game for Shake I thought it was a really a pretty nice Tobias game although I really would like to see him get fouled more and be stronger with the ball inside um and I I, I took positives out of Al Horford I took positives out of Mike Scott and and Burks and uh and I think that this this could be a like a nice uh, things have been going bad. It's weird to see the Sixers have won like haven't they won like six of eight or something like that? It's six of nine. Six of, well, yeah, but coming to the game like it was coming into this game. I, I saw that stat and I was like, this why everything feels it's so impossible. bad. Everything feels yeah. so bad. Yeah, um, it was impossible. But this was I, I think I a very useful, nice, necessary thing. Obviously, they're a contending team or claim to be, but without their two best players and then one of their other best players and then another one fouls out like they just like they played hard this is in a season where there were many games when it just didn't seem like they gave a shit it seemed like they did give a shit it was cool to see them hit shots it was cool to see shake break out and get really hot um so i hopefully this isn't like a somewhat positive turning point loss for them before we get to sixers adams uh big announcement which um is coming soon. I thought we would provide every podcast from this point on. We will provide an update on the OKC pick, the top 20 OKC pick. You good with that? Oh, yeah. This is all I care about. Um, so uh, we will have, we have uh, renamed, we do have a new logo in case you've seen on our Twitter. We are now not the only Sixers podcast, but we are the only top 20 protected OKC podcast. Um, and we'll have that T-shirt this week. It is a jersey with the new orange and blue logo with the new verbiage and um, 20 on the back with protected as the name. That's right. Um, so the Sixers get it. That'll be available this week, probably Tuesday. As soon as I'll, I'll rush uh, cold cuts on it. Uh, good job by Tanner in giving us our own logo in a different color. But um, And by the way, I have to send you, he did a shirt for the flip the switch thing, which is awesome. I'll send it to you. Um, all right, so the Sixers get the pick. If it does not fall in the top 20... As of right this second, this second, per Tankathon, the Sixers would receive that pick as it falls at 21. Dallas is 20. Brooklyn is at 19, which is actually the Sixers pick. Um, and then, because the Sixers don't have their own pick this year, and uh, um, and Utah at 22. So as of right now, the Sixers get the OKC pick, the most important thing from this season. That's right. In a bad draft any- class that I will... Absolutely yeah. fetishize uh, when the time comes. Very excited about. Yeah, it. I was. I was gonna say, are you? Uh, do you already have your targets ready? Oh yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> Talk to me about like twenty twenty three. I'm ready to go. I can't wait to do. It. I didn't think we were gonna do a big board this year, but oh here we go. please, we we're not gonna board. do yeah. a big board. The only the only world in which we don't do a big board is if the Sixers win a championship and you never hear from me again. Yeah. I will stop <laughs> answering the phone. But, across. By the, the way. 
we did get after the. I, I'm always amazed at which podcast people like and which ones they don't. So the last pod people seemed to like, and I got a lot of questions about whether we were actually quitting or not. Um, and I said yes, and I'm, surp- I'm surprised that we're here. I, I don't think we've ever done a worse podcast than the last one. I'm sure we have. There's a, there's a big batch of bad ones that we've done over the years. All the yeah. uh, we know how many has it been? Like hundreds. So yeah, hundreds. It's yeah. you know there's bound there's clunkers in there and uh, man, what a team! What do we? Every time I think about it, I just the, what a, what a what a weird <laughs> seven years it's been. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps getting weirder too. The rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. The one you're listening now is brought to you by Adam Kasebe. That is spelled K-S-E-B-E. There's no A in it. Seems like he's spelling it wrong. The official realtor of the process and the official sponsor of Normal Column by Sixers Adam. They're both named Adam. Look, Mike, we're not really far from summer at all. People are planning their vacations. They've already planned them or whatever. Wouldn't it be nice to already have your place booked? And wouldn't it be nice if there were other people paying you to take that vacation the entire year? I mean, I love it. It seems like a great idea to me. Uh, Adam has me like this close, like a half inch away from actually doing this. So Adam is a, a realtor that specializes in the Delaware beaches. Now, if you've been going to the Jersey Shore your whole life, here's why you should buy at the Delaware beaches. The taxes are like 10% of what they are at the Jersey Shore. Like what you'd pay 15 grand a year, 12 grand a year for a house down the shore in Jersey, you're going to pay 1,000 or 1,500 in annual property tax. And you'll make about the same rental income in the year. And interest rates are super low right now. So you want to buy before they go back up. Because as I realized when I bought a house, even like, a quarter point can mean a lot of money uh, by the end of that mortgage. Um, and the Delaware beaches, if you've never been, Rehoboth, beautiful. I really like Lewis. Lewis was more, um, I'm trying to think of the Jersey Shore to, to compare it to, to, but there isn't really. It's more like the Outer Banks mixed with the Jersey Shore. That's why I like Lewis. Um, Rehoboth, beautiful. Um, uh, Dewey, if you're young and like to have a good time, which I don't, is great too. Um, like, and, and Adam's your guy. He's been doing this a long time. He will take care of rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. And look, if you just want to rent a place down there, try it out before you buy, he can hook you up with that too. I am telling you that this has me learning how much property taxes are in Delaware has me rethinking buying a home in Delaware County. I should have just bought in Wilmington or something. Um, a three hundred, like let's say this, a hundred three hundred thousand dollar house in Rehoboth, you're going to make like twenty five thousand dollars a year in rental income, which is basically going to more than pay for your mortgage. Call or text Adam if you're interested. 302-864-8643. That is 302-864-8643. Or email him, Adam at processrealtor.com. Adam at processrealtor.com. Back to the Ricky. Yeah, we have two people that write for the website, of course, our own Andrew Underberger, and added around New Year's Eve, I think we did, was uh, was Sixers Adam. That is his legal name. He will, of course, be at, um, he writes a column called Normal Column for us. He will be at Flip the Switch. He will be legal at that point, and he will be taking pictures with people for a charity donation as he holds up a giant driver's license with a face cut out with his face peeking through. Excited for that, Adam, or what? I'm just so thrilled. <laughs> um, Adam also brought to us by uh, by Adam Kasabi, the uh, process realtor. So Adam actually wrote – Adam got two links in a Ringer article this week, um, Mike. I don't know if you saw that. Dan Devine's article linked back to Adam twice. His article uh, ripping the ownership this week and uh, and one of his tweets ripping something else. I love that, can, and I love yeah. – Dan, uh, I thought the, I thought Dan's article was also very good. Just a, good articles all around, guys. Yeah, great job. Thank you. Thank so, Adam is here to make a, uh, a an announcement that we think will change the face of a lot of things. Actually, moving forward, um, uh, I he told me he sent me a text message and I said we shouldn't waste this on Twitter. We should announce this on the pod. Um, he checked with his family, with his friends, with his agent, and they all they all agreed. So, Adam, would you like to make your big announcement? 
Sure. Uh, I have officially committed to Temple University. Wow. Wow. The kid stays home. Wow. <laughs> Cherry wow. in the white. Wow. That is huge. Um, and by the way, people like people at this point may realize that it's not a bit that you're right. not even 18 <laughs> years old yet. Sixers shiz. <laughs> so... So, Adam, tell us about why you chose Temple, because you could have gone anywhere, and, and if, you're, if you're comfortable telling us what other schools you were considering. Uh, I was considering Rutgers. I was considering Drexel, uh, University of Maryland, and a few others. Um, there were a lot of factors that, that I looked at. You know, being in Philadelphia is obviously super convenient, and being able to get to the Wells Fargo Center easily, and we're only a month away from, from getting credentials back and all that, which is great. Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I, I did really enjoy the school every time I took a tour or I visited one of my friends there. And, and it seems like most people who go there are really enthusiastic about it. Wow. So Can't believe you would burn a City 6 school like Drexel like that. <laughs> Shout out to Derek Bodner and Colleen Wolf, the only, the only City 6 people I know. Well, no, uh, Gans, Gans went to LaSalle. Yeah, I'm saying Drexel, though, specifically. Oh, Drexel. Oh, right, like at them as the City 6 yes, school, yes. not as one of the City 6 schools. Okay, I got it. Um, the, uh, it would have been funny had you gone to Maryland, given the last minor that was involved in this podcast went to Maryland and then, then, then dropped it and went to Temple. That is one Jake Pavorsky. Who so maybe, so maybe, I'll be, maybe I'll be at Maryland for my sophomore year. We'll see. Yeah. Adam, let me ask you this question from the uh, Sixers Adam, Sixers Adam, Spike Eskin writes to Ricky Sanchez podcast, uh, WIP as well. Sixers Adam, honestly, and I won't tell your parents, and I'm sure there's no way uh, that they're listening, but how much did the ability to get to the Wells Fargo Center actually factor in your decision? Do you say the ability to – you cut out there, sorry. The ability ability to go – and cover Sixers games? Like, how much did that factor in your decision for real? Like, was it more uh, than 5 or 7%? Yeah, it was more than 5 or 7%. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, like, the main criteria, but a nice added right. bonus. Wow. Well, this is big, Adam. This is big. Uh, I hope, you know, with your, uh, with this huge coverage of this commitment, as well as your two links in the ringer this week, it doesn't go to your head. Uh, have have you thought about what you're planning on writing this week, or do you just wait until moments before you you text me and tell me when you're going to have it? Uh, I have not thought about what I'm going to write this week yet, and mm-hmm. I will probably text you on Thursday and say, "Hey, I'm going to have something on Friday or Saturday." Are you going to have to watch? Are you going to have to say that you're going to bed, close the door, turn out the lights, and then watch and then open the game? Up my computer. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. West Coast. You know trip, I love the game. Right? The yep. Games start an hour after my bedtime, so I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta sneak a sneak a watch. I'm sorry. I, it will never get old to me. So you it, turn. I'm, I'm, so you you're currently 17. You turn 18 correct. in a month. Yep. My nephew is. My oldest nephew, Braden, is 13 and turns 14 in a month, and that is wild that he is a mere four years younger than you. I have I have a baby sister three years old who I think is in is in your niece's class, Mike. Oh really? Yeah, Harper. Harper. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a connection! Yeah. Is this this feels like nepotism in some way, and I didn't even realize I was a part of it. <laughs> fitting. <laughs> Very fitting. Very fitting. Very fitting. Well, Adam, congratulations. We are we are we are proud of you. Uh, the the cherry and the white. Again, you could have gone anywhere. You chose Temple. Um, a lot of illustrious um, Temple alumni that you will join. My dad and uh, Mike's dad. My uncle. That's what I. Aunt. That's what I had in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we look forward to continuing to employ you during your your college experience, and we look forward to seeing you at uh, at what's it called? Um, flip, flip the switch. switch. Yep. Thank you. All right. Congrats, man. Congrats, pal. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Uh, I, I, I still can't believe we actually employ a minor. I, I is, don't consider myself employing anyone because I don't want to get uh, legally uh, you know, dinged right. by this thing. So that's on you, man. <laughs> well, he, uh, 
he's actually an independent contractor, so we don't employ him at all. So we're fine. <laughs> so uh, I, I wanted to um, read this question for you before we go to the actual mailbag because it, it sort of like intros something that I wanted to to bring up because I, I've heard the uh, I've heard the comment a lot. Um, so this comes from Hank. He said, "I don't want to apologize for this front office, but." I feel like it is not being acknowledged anymore how the consensus was very high on the starting five, especially Horford, at the start of the season. Is it fair to say they shouldn't be blamed for gambling on the upside? What they should be accountable for is frittering away assets, not protecting their floor or flexibility with the bench roster, dreadful player health management, and ridiculous internal hiring practices, which is more than enough to call for the entire front office to be destroyed in a furnace or encased in concrete. But the fact that the starting five sucks is more of an unfortunate roll of the dice that many of us were on board with when the decision was made. What do you think? We'll get through this with honesty and compassion. Um, I have my thoughts. I'm curious as to yours first. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think I think that they had their eyes open in the sense of, like, we think Horford's a good shooter, and we think that his efficiency won't suffer if he just quickens his release a little bit more and takes more threes. Uh at this point, they seem to have been wrong. Uh, he's not comfortable doing it. It is awkward for him, and he's gone cold even in the shots he normally makes. Um, maybe that'll change. Who knows? But I think that was something that they were aware of. I think that they knew that Tobias would take more of an offensive role. I think that they hoped that uh, a higher percentage of uh, shots at the line would come with that, and it hasn't. Um, and I, I think that they probably thought Josh would be able to do a little bit more creation for others than he has. Um, and so if one or two of those things comes true, uh, defensive intensity amped up in the playoffs, I, I think matchup dependent, they have a really interesting case to be made as like a, a serious contender um, if, if, if things start falling the right way. So I'm not... Playoff-wise, I'm not willing to rule it rule it out as like the the original starting five like playing together and making a difference and making it hard for whoever they play. Um, I just think now that you know we've seen what it looks like enough times for most of the game, you just want more guards in there. You just want more like quick quick trigger releases and guys who can penetrate and get to the rim. Um, so I think it's I, I think they kind of went all in in a way that they in retrospect, didn't seem to have to because they gave Horford a fuckload of money and at the same time they gave Tobias a fuckload of money. I know that they had the ticking clock of Ben's contract coming in, but, you know, so, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it certainly hasn't worked at this point, so I, it, it's, it's easy to say that they... It, it is one of the factors, not all of them, but one of the factors in why they are 9-22 and 22 on the road. I think the thing that I want to speak specifically to is that everybody was on board and and sort of because I hear this a lot about like well you were okay with this or you were okay with that and I I don't think you can like this is essentially a fan podcast neither you nor I are official like you know what I mean we're not um, we're not we don't profess to be like whatever Zach Lowe or Kevin O'Connor or whether they are or not Ben Golliver do when, when they're like, well, we're not fans of a team. I'm way more unbiased than Kevin O'Connor is. 100%. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. But I, I don't think you can say... What happens is, is things happen and we or anybody else talks ourselves into them to make ourselves feel good, but doesn't necessarily mean that we would have agreed with that if you had asked us if it's if you want to do it. Like if you had said to all of us three months before it happened or before they ever traded for Tobias Harris, next year they're going to give a, Tobias Harris $100 million and they're going to give Al Horford $110 million. Do you want to do that? Almost everybody would say no, right? So I think that's the sort of judgment you have to use whereas like compare that to the jimmy butler trade and a jimmy butler contract i think you would get like 70 percent of people saying yes on that yeah i don't think people talk themselves into jimmy butler i think they were like they were in on it mm -hmm. but i think things like uh things like harris the harris trade and harris contract and the horford thing are as much people talking themselves into it as them 
I, I guess just as a um, uh, like a contrary, if this is something that a a a, uh, a rival team did, we would make fun of them constantly. So I think that's more what you have to do. And to your to your point before, and to the point that he made in the email, when we're ripping the front office, it's not just for those moves. It's for leaving themselves sort of no choice but to do those moves and um, and the position that they're in overall. So I don't think it's just for, man, you signed Al Horford. You know, what a bad idea. I, I think it's it's bigger than that. So that's my point on that. Yeah. But I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't think you can blame fans or anyone for talking themselves into it after the fact. I mean, you have to, it sucks going into a year. We know this. It sucks going into, an, into a year, like, you know, not having any uh, hope or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So. so someone asked me today if I still had any optimism uh, about the Sixers playoff chances. And I, I do still hold like a pretty sizable sliver. It's, I wouldn't say it's like a massive chunk, but it's a sizable sliver. Um, because they profess to be this uh, big physical playoff team when the time comes. And if Embiid's healthy, which it looks like he will be, and if Simmons is healthy, which looks like he won't be, uh, but who knows? Two weeks rapidly approaching. Um, It always is. It always is. That's the benefit about two weeks. We keep getting older, and it keeps being two weeks away. Um, Yeah. The, they, they'll still, it'll still be interesting. So I'm still just like allowing them some level of hope um, that it'll come together and the starting five all engaged, all locked in, all like putting their ego aside to just like do whatever it takes. Plus like two to three of the like bench slop coming together and being like having, like being locked in. Like if we, if we're on like a hot shake moment, then excellent. If we're on like a hot cork mods moment, which it feels like we haven't been in a little bit, then great. Maybe Burks gets hot. There's it just they have a bunch of options where it could it could come together. Um, Joel, by the way, tweeted about Madrid soccer at halftime, which which was interesting. I saw. Do you think he was just trolling, or do you think he is that? I think he was watching the game probably, and then it was halftime, so he turned it on and was like, oh. They're playing. I'll tweet at him, and then people gave him shit, and so then he started tweeting about Shake. Oh, is that what he did? I didn't see that he followed up tweeting about yeah. Shake. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows with this fucking team anymore, Yep, man. yep. Regular day at the office. So a listener named Jeff last year gave us, I think, eight jigsaws so we could do an elite eight of jigsaws and suggested that we do a field of 64 jigsaws. Jeff has gone through every podcast and every jigsaw that we've done and has put together a field of 64 jigsaws with, let let me explain what he did. He said, for the bracket, I went through every podcast and pulled out my favorite 32 of the options that Mike did not choose. I paired these with 32 new jigsaws that I've cultivated over the past year or so. The Ricky Jigsaws are highlighted in blue, and the bracket, each first-round matchup is an old Ricky Jigsaw versus a new one. The Jigsaw bracket regions are once in your life, for one year, for 10 years, and for the rest of your life. <laughs> Some fun facts before we get into this. Before wait, I wait, we're not actually going through and doing the Jigsaws yet, right? Not right now. No, I'm just, this is just me talking to you about it. Okay. It's just me and you right here. Okay. He, just some facts about the ones he put together. 2014, the second year of our pod, was the year of the jigsaw, he says. So many jigsaws. There are very few jigsaws in 2018. There are a lot of jigsaws early on where Spike gave Mike the option of losing an ear or an appendage, a lot of eating excessive amounts of things. You asked Mike twice, only a few months apart, if he would choose to be a center on an NFL team, and he gave completely opposite assessments (laughs) on how well he thought he would Mm -hmm. do. (laughs) There have been been at least three mentions of Oscar Pistorius in a jigsaw. Uh, In case you don't know, that is the the sprinter who had the 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 fake legs below the knee, who got accused of killing his girlfriend. 
and I think convicted of it as well. And there were many mentions of Mike turning it, turning jigsaw defe- defects into quote <laughs> parlor tricks. That sounds so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so Mike, here we are. It's March, as you know, and you know we did a poll on Twitter. Seventy-five percent said that in March we should do the Field of sixty-four jigsaws. Here's what I'm asking you: Will you? either all in one Ricky episode or in, in like a segment in each Ricky episode through March, participate in the field of 64 jigsaws. I will <laughs> play it by ear. And if there's a particularly bad stretch where we want to do another non-Sixers Sixers podcast, I will press the jigsaw button to save myself from talking about the team. So do I, I just always have to be ready? I, Is that how it I works? think that that's correct. That's tough. Stay ready. They sleep. All right. Well, I said I'd leave it up to you. So that's, that's, the, that's what we have. I have to stay ready. I'd rather not do um, it. I'd rather the Sixers <laughs> keep succeeding and giving me good things to talk about. I, I include today's game as part of success. So people, just stay attached. People. Don't kill me. People love the jigsaw. All right. I, you know, so Marty, <clears throat> longtime listener, Marty, um, and Sixers Adam uh, friend, Mar- uh, Marty, uh, DM'd me a question for Lorenzo Brown mailbag. And I told him, I know your exact answer to this. I just don't know how you actually feel, but I know what you will tell me. I promised I would ask you, but I will ask you anyway. Um, I recall in 2012, Excuse me. I recall in 2012 that Mike wasn't really into the playoff run because he knew that it was fool's gold. Hated it. Would he, would he feel the same way this year? Like, let's say we get the four seed and beat the Heat in seven and then took the Bucks to seven, or maybe like Middleton gets banged up and we somehow win but lose in the Eastern Conference Finals. Would Mike feel the same way that this team is fatally flawed and any potential success could potentially undermine the changes that need to happen, or would he enjoy the run? I would enjoy the run. Uh, That's what I said. By by a lot. The the difference being that at that time in 2012, there were were no cornerstones to build around. Um, I wanted to get rid of every single part of the organization, and it it didn't matter to me how much I thought Iguodala was good or any whatever individual players were like, okay, because they were all collateral damage in trying to get like an actual contender. This team has those pieces, and the longer that Embiid and Simmons can play into the playoffs, and with the added benefit of the young guys, um, who are less important but still hopefully a, a part of this team going forward, um, then I think everything is good. That's all positive to me. So um, even if I do think, like, man, maybe the front office needs an upgrade or whatever, I'd rather it just be like, oh, Embiid and Simmons are, th- you know, the offense works, like, the starting five when they're locked in works. Horford's fine taking a bench roll and we play him for there another season and we, you know, Shake takes a big leap forward and Josh is a more reliable shooter and Korkmaz keeps working on his defense and Matisse keeps working on his offense. Like, they're, all of a sudden it's just like, oh, not as much work needs to be done because it's all just kind of coming together around and beating Simmons. Um, so, I, I mean, my perfect situation, I think there was a question the other day of, like, would you rather lose in the first round and fire everybody or go to the conference finals and keep everyone. And my answer is, like, easily keep everyone. Easily. It's not close for me. I want Embiid and Simmons to have success. Yeah, I, yeah, I, think, we, I think we did that on the pod. Wasn't that on the pod? Yeah, Didn't we do that's that what I was talking pod? about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I, so I, I know most people would think that I'm more fatalist than that and that I, I wouldn't want them to go on a run. This is, this is, by the way, and I mentioned to Marty, this is like, feels like the Eagles every year. Like, the Eagles every year are, I'd rather not make the playoffs so they're just not convinced that this team is good. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like we've gone through that with the Eagles a oh, yeah. hundred million times. I've been there. I'm a little... I, I agree with you in a lot of ways. I agree with you in Simmons and Embiid playing playoff games together is important. But I, I am very, very, very apprehensive 
about everyone saving their job. And uh, I think it's like really dangerous. And I have to, basically what I weigh is, what gives them a better chance to win a championship together? Experience this year and keeping the front office together or no experience this year and them getting rid of the front office and replacing it. Now, with that comes, we have absolutely no idea who they would hire, right? Like, we, I, I would have very little confidence that they would replace the people there with somebody more competent. Like, is there anybody with less experience they could hire than Elton? Could they hire Amir Johnson? Is he going to be the GM next year? Sixers Adam. Yeah. <laughs> well... Uh, could they? He can't work past ten o'clock. Now, you know? now that it's I mean, confirmed nepotism, I think yeah. it's good to go. Twenty-four hours a week is all Adam's allowed to work. So I am reading the uh, the uh, tank to the top in in preparation for your own Weitzman coming onto the podcast and uh, mm-hmm. getting mad again, getting re mad. Excited to ask some questions and get mad all over again. Yeah, we, we, that album or that, that book is coming out, Tanking to the Top by Aaron Weitzman of Bleacher Report. We do get, so we're going to have him on uh, next week, I think. The, we have to work out a date, you and I, right after this. But um, he gave us a whole chapter. So there's a whole chapter about us in there. And there are some wrong things, things in the chapter that I'm going to. <laughs> that's what the whole interview is going to be about, actually, is just the, the things that are wrong in the chapter. There's a Scott but, O'Neill quote that I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start spiking my computer on the ground and see if it bounces. <laughs> the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast brought to you by Big Barker Dog Beds. Now, Rebel, my dog, his bed, his Big Barker, is right next to our bed, my wife and my's bed. I have a Tempur-Pedic bed. It was a very expensive bed. Um, I love the bed. Rebel chooses, has the option, he could sleep in bed if he wants to, he chooses the Big Barker over the Tempur-Pedic. Now, he also chooses to smell other dogs' pee and his his own butt and other dogs' butts, but I'm not judging here. I'm saying his taste in beds is good. Big Barkers are real beds. Your dog deserves a real bed um, because your dog sleeps even more than you do, and if you were sleeping on the floor all day long, your joints would feel like crap. You need to protect your dog's joints. You need to get that dog a, a real bed, and Big Barker is the only one. Engineered by experts to keep your dog's joints feeling great. Older dogs, younger dogs, whatever. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky, and uh, you will not only get the Big Barker dog bed, but you will get the process pup patch along with it so you could iron that shit on, make your dog look cool. Um, our our uh, super listener, Gwen, sent in her. Uh, her dog is now a process pup, Gizmo, tiny little uh, Bichon. Is that how you say that? A Bichon? Is that that kind of a dog? A tiny sure. little dog. Yeah. So they have little ones for that you get at the Barker Jr., or you, you have a big one, regular-sized dog, Rebel's 40 pounds. There's the lar- large Big Barker or a giant dog. You can get the extra large. Um, designed to help keep your, your dog's joints feeling good. Ten-year warranty, foam doesn't flatten, or they replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it for any reason, if your dog doesn't like it, if your dog chooses the, uh, the Tempur-Pedic over the Big Barker, you can send it back, and they'll even pay for the shipping. Um, and it is handmade right here in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. <laughs> that sounded like Gizmo. Back to the Ricky. I, I don't know. I'm sort of stuck on this one. I, I I wish there was a middle ground in which they could win a round and then get and then lose because I don't think they really have a chance at a championship. But I, I do think they have their their championship odds have backed down again. They're now plus twenty five hundred to win the championship, which is twenty five to one. What were they before? Pretty, so they opened up the season, I believe, at plus 600, and then they went to plus 1,400, and this is the, the longest it's been. So um, Might be time to I, jump. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, but my other bets are looking pretty good. My Zion bet at plus 450 is looking pretty good. My Bam Adebayo at uh, most improved at plus 650 is looking pretty good. All right, this one comes from Joe. <laughs> and bad news for Joe. Please start a GoFundMe so that we can see our sweet princes ring the bell and watch you guys tell Harrison Blitzer and fucking Michael Rubin to go fuck themselves. We will get you there. Sincerely, Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> um, I, first of all, I don't think you can pay to ring the bell, so I don't know what the GoFundMe is going to do. And I do think... That if there's whatever, any team that you could pay to ring, ring the bell, we are a fan of it. 
Yeah, well, it would actually be the Sixers. I, That's I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not surprised. I, I do think that the last two weeks has pretty much, if we had any chance, we buried that chance with ownership at least like it has been i have been pretty negative you've always been negative but i've been pretty yeah it goes up and down it's a wave yeah we we say shit about them they say shit about us it's a whole you know (laughs) this is what brothers brothers and sisters do we fight we get over it we ring each other's bells as as we as i and we criticize and I, i said this on twitter but i want to say it on the pod too criticize ownership and the front office a lot the communications and PR department, who uh, yeah, Pat and Rob and Dave and uh, a new guy named Mikey, I don't even think I knew Mikey, uh, have always been very good to us, whether it's helping us get Brett to the pod or Elton or whatever, or organizing things. And every time I send them somebody in need who is a listener of the podcast, they do something about it. And this week I sent them a, a CHOP patient that his, his doctor sent a note along. And um, this kid named Will, who's a huge Sixers fan, is in Children's Hospital. And I sent it along to them. And they got videos from a bunch of players um, sending him best wishes and sending it along to him. And I thought, you know, not you don't have to do that. They could ignore my email, especially given what fuckbags we can be. So <laughs> I want to give them credit, even though the owners are assholes and the front office is incompetent. Let the fuckbags ring the bell. This one comes from Barzin. I'm originally from Philly, and I live out in the Bay Area now. Over the summer, I bought myself tickets to the upcoming Sixers-Warriors game on March 7th. With the Simmons and Embiid injuries, it seems like this could be another awful road game that I don't want to subject myself to. I guess Steph being back could make it fun, but do I really want to watch Horford Brick open threes instead of cutting my losses and selling the tickets to some tech bros? How can I make this a more enjoyable experience? Well, I think the Shake Mountain thing just did that for me, right? Yeah. Just every game, they keep switching who scores 39 points. So who's next? Kylo Quinn. Oh. I'll sell for 39 <laughs> assists. Hey, Kylo Quinn. This comes from Rusty, especially interesting given our cheering for the OKC pick take. Um, Rusty from New Jersey asks, Dear Spike and Mike, are the Sixers following the Thunder trajectory? Both teams mismanaged an enrichment of assets around their two stars. Westbrook and Durant each had injuries derail playoff runs, similar to the past for Joe and current for Ben, leading to an eventual dismal to an, an, an eventual I don't know. Hang in there. I, I think he means dismissal. He said dismal. Dismissal of the longtime coach Brooks or Brown, and one final playoff run with the most painful gut punch loss. Should I wake myself up before next year's playoff series against the Bucks, where we go up 3-1 only to lose, or should I just wait until after that series is over? The, the Thunder comparison is a good one, but I, I do think that the difference is that that Thunder team was pretty obviously better than this Sixers team ever was. You know, they got, like they, Kevin Durant was a top three or four player at some point, and I don't, you know, none of our guys have gotten there, and the team has never been as good as that team. They also and had the way, long, they, a longer time with each other. Together, yeah. To f- try to figure it out and it not working. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, so what do you again, think? I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, in any way giving up on an Embiid and Simmons pairing, just like in, in any, in any, not even a, in a, a little way. Every single way, I'm yeah. I'm all in on those. Those are our guys. Those are the guys we should ride and do whatever it takes to to maximize the talent that they have together, and that includes like getting like guys who can shoot and dribble uh, a little bit more um, and pass and make quick decisions with the ball because they don't do that much. Um, I would wake yourself up. Wake yourself up. Yeah. It it it's human to feel alive, and you only feel alive when you're laying in your parents' floor doing a podcast. After the shot goes in. <laughs> I, I don't even remember that podcast. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what I said. Yeah. I never know what I say. I don't know what I said in this podcast, but I, I definitely remember. I, it's a flash flashbulb moment of my life of, like, just laying on the ground, looking at the bed, looking at, like, dust, and just, like, sort of, like, just moaning into the microphone. 
There was a, a, a guy from NYU was doing a paper on Sam Hinkie's letter, and he asked to talk to me. So I was driving home from New York uh, last week, and from a, was I, there for, I was there for a work thing, and I talked to him for a while, and he asked me if I remember when Sam Hinkie resigned and reading the letter for the first time. And I told him I distinctly remember being on my couch, seeing it, and texting you that we had to do a podcast and you refusing and me, me having to talk you into doing a podcast that night, which seemed, not only does it seem very, very possible, um, like I remember it directly, but also if I didn't remember it, it, it does seem very possible. Yeah. This comes from Brett, final, final email. Mike made a joke on the midweek pod about trading for Gary Harris. And it got me thinking about how the Sixers could maybe fix themselves this summer. It's well documented that anyone that the Sixers acquire immediately forgets how to do whatever it is they did pretty well. What if they start picking up guys who have already seemingly lost their skills? I like this. Harris is a great example. He was a really nice young player two years ago, and now he's seemingly forgotten how to play ball. Maybe if the Sixers start trading for guys like that, they'll forget they've forgotten how to play and become good again. I like that logic. Yep, this theory even makes a good case for bringing in Tyler Johnson. Uh, Thank you guys for keeping me somewhat sane. These last few weeks have been tough. The Sixers have completely taken the joy out of watching basketball. And I'm not even enjoying watching the rest of the league at this point. Fuck Josh Harris and his weasel face. So uh, this is something you would totally be in, uh, trading for projects, right? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, To everybody, just rotate them in. 10-day contract, see who pops. Let's go. Ten, People who were bad. Tony Roten. Maybe he's maybe he's too right hand dependent now. Who knows? It's been too long. <laughs> Let's try it out. Uh, yeah, I don't really see the benefit of having both Norvell Pell and Kylo Quinn on the bench. Um, yeah, what's going on here? It seems like Brett is starting to now trust O'Quinn more. Um, yeah. He played hard in that in that last game in that game against the Knicks, um, and also the game against uh, the Hawks. He he even tried tried some. Um, he wasn't that great tonight, but uh, I, w- I wonder like if you'd lose. Norvell, they, they, they plan on you know, being around for a while, so this, this will certainly be Kylo Quinn's last year, so it's a matter of, like, if, is he good enough for the locker room? And maybe he is, that you're willing to not go get another, add another guard to the slot pile? Um, maybe. Maybe. I'd also, you know, give Shayak a try. Let's see, let's see some Shayak action. I, I would rather play... You know, prior to today, because Mike Scott did play well, I thought he was hustling, yep. he hit threes. It was the first time he's only hit more than, you know, multiple threes in a game, like once or like twice over the last like month and a half. Um, so it was good to see him come alive a little bit. Um, and they went small ball with him some. But prior to today, where I was impressed, I would be fine playing Shayak over Mike Scott. Just give me a little, a little more, a little more something. Quick release. And uh, finally, I forgot to bring this up. The uh, I, I know you won't want to acknowledge either of them. Did you happen to read? This must have been like Andrew Sharp's farewell article on um, Jimmy Butler because it was in SI. I guess he wrote it before. Well, obviously he wrote it before he left. And uh, so, did you happen to read the article on Jimmy Butler or the Markel Fultz article um, that set Twitter ablaze for thirty six hours? Uh, wait, Sharp wrote a Fultz article? No, Sharp wrote a Butler article, and the Fultz article was Bleacher Report. Oh, yeah, I saw the Fultz. That's right. Um, I didn't read either, although I saw the first paragraph of the Fultz article that everyone in Philadelphia hated him the whole time, which yeah. is... He couldn't, it's, he couldn't stop uh, Undeniably true. There's no way to check that it wasn't true. There's no way to like do any research or listen to anything or see old tweets or uh, maybe a large get well card um, that Fultz himself held up. Uh, there's no way to say he was only vilified from the moment he got here. No one was excited about him ever. Pretty cool. I I always go back to it made me mad how excited people were about him even when he was when he was obviously bad. I I it's unbelievable. Um and the Butler quotes were just hilarious. Just he's um it's really a shame that they're struggling now. Um, because I, I wonder when he gets to practice. He probably gets to practice, I mean, the day before, I guess, at this point. If, when 3 a.m. is not working, do you get to practice at 11 p.m. and then just go all the way through? 
I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, oh, a West Coast trip this week, right? We have so we have Lakers, we have Kings, and then what's the final game on the trip? Uh, Warriors, right? Warriors, right? Lakers, Kings, and Warriors. Um, well, they're zero and one. Give me two and two, and I'll be happy. Give me two and two, and I'll be fine. Like if they're hanging the game against the Lakers, I think they I think they could win it, but hang, at least hang in and then beat some uh-huh. Kings Warriors, and we can feel I need I need to get to double digit road wins. They've been stuck on nine for a long. Long while. I told you this was this is this is our. Remember how long we were stuck on nine in a different year? Yeah. Just it, it was the whole season, but it wasn't just road wins. Um, a couple more things. Uh, yeah, there was a good Michael Connor article in the Athletic on Zaire. Um, checking in with oh, him. Um, I saw the stats. I didn't. I didn't read the article. Yeah, it was some good some good clips of how I would check. I would urge you to check that out and. This is, as we talked about, like he was raw coming out of college where he was basically playing as a power forward in a weird Texas Tech system that was efficient and he had his role very simplified and, and uh, excelled in it. But then he comes in to be a, a, a NBA wing and then all of a sudden is nearly dead. And uh, so this is effectively his rookie year of a guy that was already raw. So I am in no way giving up on Zaire and I'm glad that I didn't trade him for nothing at the deadline. Uh, and I look forward to him being like a, an absolute dog on defense uh, next year. And the shot looks good. He's reworked it. It's not like or, wildly different, but or, uh, or, clean. We're paired with Al Horford to get him out of here. <laughs> one of the two. Uh, okay. Well, maybe that'd be something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I would encourage you to read that. Uh, another note, I loved Matisse poking out Papev and uh, soloing for a nice little dunk. Uh, I also want to call out, even though he's still working on his finishing, Matisse has been driving more and like being more aggressive at getting to the rim, and I think that's nice. He, I think it's a good sign of things to come, even if it's uh, clunky in the short term and leads to like weird, you know, kind of getting bumped off his spot and having to take like kind of a fading floater or something. Uh, I think it is a good sign for his game going forward that he's doing that. Um, he does seem to hit the bottom part of the rim when he lays he hasn't it done it in a while. I, we've talked about okay. that before, but he hasn't done it in a while. Okay. Um, and just cool that Matisse pokes it out from Pat Bev. Obviously, Pat's not like the most uh, gifted offensive player, but like doing a defensive thing to like Mister Intense Defense is, is pretty dope for him. I think. I hope he uh, appreciates that. Uh, and just I want to give fucking Shake another call, man. Thirty-nine points, thirteen straight made threes. That's awesome. They drafted him with the fifty-fourth pick. Uh, he was. And it's it's weird, like. You try to remember context, like going into a draft, um, of like what the what the consensus was, because like there's a ton of guys where their their range of where they would fall is like late lottery to like early second in some drafts, and then when whatever way that that they fall, like that is who they are forever. You know what I mean? Like Cameron Johnson went in the late lottery to the to the Suns, but most people had him as a late first round pick, and so all of a sudden like. For the rest of his life, Cameron Johnson's going to be like he was unsuccessful as a as a lottery pick by the Suns. And if whereas if he was like an early second round pick or something, where he, which he totally could have been, then it would have been like, oh, what a nice surprise getting a useful player in the late second round. So Shake himself was for most most of the pre draft situation, like in a lot of mock drafts, penciled in in the in the late first round, and then he had a bad like pre-draft scrimmage that everyone like said he like was totally taken out of the game and uh he was having some back issues and he fell all the way to the second round late second round Sixers got him 54 put him on a two-way deal I had shake over Shamit in my on my board of of liking guys uh Shamit was a way better shooter than I had uh predicted um but shake like is it's it's a, it's very surprising that he scored 39 points against the Clippers on the road on national television, um, but like he's good and he can do a lot of stuff and he's long. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He can score at three levels. Like he's getting better by the day. And I'm I just it's not like I don't know exactly what I'm saying aside from like there's a world where Shake was drafted like where like Malcolm Brogdon was drafted and or, or like those kinds of players where they're all of a sudden like. You expect them to be good, and it's not as much of a shock, or they don't have much of an uphill battle, like having to force their way in from the G League. I think still, like people, get, players get put in this box based on where they draft, where they draft you. Which, for you know, outside of the top couple, really in most drafts, 
it, it's it's a you could just it's a total crapshoot. You could totally just like wash them up in a vacuum and spit it out however you want. Um, so I I believe in Shake as a as a major rotation player going forward sometime this season, but like definitely going for going forward in, in future seasons. Uh, and I'm excited about him, and I'm happy he's on a on a good four year deal. I hope someone gives him a fucking sponsorship opportunity so he can make some money. Tobias should give him a couple million. Um, but well, he's making like a million dollars a year. Yeah, but it's but that a lot of that money goes away in taxes and to pay his agent and all that bullshit. So I you know give him a little bit more. He's all hanging with the big kids. He deserves it. All right, I guess. Um, all right. Well, this was, I was going to say this a podcast was a shake sandwich, but people say that all the time. The sandwich is what's in the middle. So it was, it was a, a Sixers a bunch Adam of sandwich. bullshit sandwich with shake bread. I there think. you go. So, yeah. All right. Um, oh, are, are we doing new ending, old ending? I don't even know how to, I, I asked the same question, I guess, but I guess it's up to you. So we'll figure, well, I'll see. I'll find out now. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. Larry, sweetie, the man is here. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. Say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write.